thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're in a series called Becoming Radiant, and the vision of this series is to live into our name. And so I love the way that Psalm 34, 5 has been built into our DNA. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. It's become really a part of who we are as a church. And Ephesians 5 is a famous text uh, that really hit me many years before we started the church um, as I was reading through Ephesians 5 because it's a place where it says uh, a radiant church. And so uh, when you're a, a future church planter and there is actually a description of a kind of church, uh, it catches your attention. And so we desire for this text, this idea, and it's a holiness text. This is a moment where, as Paul writing to the church in Ephesus is describing the church, it's talking, he's talking about us becoming a holy uh, church, a people set apart for God. And so we've been building this series and naming uh, something that exists and is normal in the culture, but because we're the people of God or we're a radiant bride or a radiant church, we look different. So we said, in the culture, it's normal to be cynical, but we're celebratory. So what Nathan just let us in a moment ago when we were taking, uh, partaking of communion together, uh, we're celebrating the cross. We're celebrating who Jesus is. So no matter what our emotions are, our conviction is, is that Jesus is the savior, that he died in our place for our sin, that he went to the cross, he rose from the dead, and that we go back and we celebrate what he has done over and over and over and over again so that we become this beacon of light or this uh, city on a hill or this radiant church in the midst of a dark culture. And so we talked about that idea of celebrating God in a culture that is cynical about everything. And then we talked a little bit about uh, a confused culture needs people that have clarity. So we live in a culture that is constantly tweeting, filling ideas, really proud of what they know. And you and I have built our lives on the word of God. So we have something that's foundational. And when we start to think that uh, the whole culture is filled with confusion, where do we turn? We turn to the word of God. We're a people that we believe the word of God. We believe that the Bible is true. And so we have a place to read, to have clarity in the midst of confusion. So when everybody else is confused, you don't have to be confused, you have the word of God. So we talked about that. And then uh, the last one that we talked about was we talked about having, um, in the midst of a hurried culture, we're a people that have hospitality. So in a culture that's always focused on me, me-centered, there's the disease called meanness. I'm making that up, but it's, me, it's me-centric. We're a people that have eyes for the poor, the broken, the orphan, the hurting, the outsider. We're the people that don't fill up our calendar with so much to make me feel happy. We want to put prioritize other, prioritize other people. And so, uh, so we talked about um, that idea of having hospitality, kind of redefined hospitality, not as just Midwestern hospitality with good food and a nice place to uh, sit down. But we talked about what it looked like that Jesus offered hospitality to the poor, the broken. And so we went after that. I wanna go after today um, kind of a fresh one. And that is, I wanna go after that in the middle of a culture that is filled with hate, 
In the middle of a culture where it's actually normal, normal to even hear that word, don't be a hater. It's, it's, it's common to have hate grow in our hearts and we're called to be a people of love. That when we look at Jesus the Savior, he is love. God is love. And when we wanna know what God is like, we know he is love. Jesus embodies love. Jesus shows us how to love our enemies, how to be people of love and not hate. And so I wanna go after that today. Um, Let me read uh, Matthew chapter five and then we'll pray. Jesus says this famous text in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. That, I love that phrase, that. So that means you look like your father. What does your father look like? Well, you're his child and he's the one that is like that. He causes his, his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So this is saying, so he sends rain and sunshine on all people, no matter what they're like. In the same way, you're the kind of people that you show love no matter what the circumstances. So it doesn't matter how they treat you. You don't define how you treat them based upon how they treat you. You show love no matter what they do, all right? If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, or that Greek word could be mature. Be perfect or mature, therefore, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Father, we love you today. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to become a radiant church, a people of light, people that shine like stars in a wicked and depraved generation. God, we need your help. Our own resolution and determination to be good will fail. But God, you coming alive inside of our hearts and working supernaturally can cause us to respond differently than how the culture responds. So we ask that you would help us to be a people that love instead of hate. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have air in your lungs, you've been mistreated. If you have air in your lungs, you'll probably be mistreated again. If you have air in your lungs, you're probably somebody that has had to make a choice and if you're gonna respond with love or hate. It's very common in our culture to respond with hate. And I think that the root of hate starts with just hurt. It starts with just this place of hurt and what will I do with the hurt? Will I allow this hurt? So you're mistreated, how will you respond? Will I, res- will I allow that hurt to be transformed into love? Or will that hurt evolve into hate? And if you don't do surgery on your heart, like Jesus told us to do, chances are you too will become someone that hates. It's common in our culture. It's often tolerated in the church, but it's the people of God that do surgery on our heart and work on it that God can actually cause you and I to actually be mistreated, to actually have people that hurt us and yet love. So in the first century, this would have been less emotional and it would have been more physical. So the Roman occupation where people are actually experiencing less finance as a result of the Romans, having where people are brutally beaten by the Romans, uh, enemy love would have been the way that the first century showed Jesus. Actually, all through the New Testament, there is over and over again, this idea of loving your enemies or praying for your enemies This is very common all through the whole New Testament. And it's because this would have been what they needed. This is what would have been their go-to. I read one Bible commentator that said, uh, uh, this idea of loving your enemies, this Matthew 5 text, 
would have been to that culture what John 3, 16 or Jeremiah 29, 11 is to our culture. So our culture and Jeremiah 29, 11 and John 3, 16 are great. Those are what we pull because we love the idea of Jesus being our personal savior and he is. We love the idea of God blessing us and God having a plan for us. So we pull Jeremiah 29, great. But the first century Christians were being persecuted at such a level that the one that they quoted most frequently was this idea of Matthew 5, to love your enemy. Because it was what they needed to endure the pain of having brutal persecution. And so I wanna invite you to take a moment and actually picture, is there anybody in your life where their pain might bring you delight? Like you would never say it because we're church folk. So we would, instead of uh, saying we hate someone, we would smile big and pretend, hmm, how you doing? But God sees the heart. So even if you have hate in your heart, but you're able to have an external pretend facade, God still knows if you have hate in your heart. So if God knows if there's hate in your heart, I just want to read a text that scared me to death as I read it this week. And I said, dear God, is that actually in the Bible? First John three fifteen. anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Welcome to Radiant, everybody. So glad that you came today. I wanted an uplifting, encouraging message. So if that be true, then maybe we should get honest and say, God, do real surgery in my heart. Is there anybody that their pain might bring you delight? So if they were to have financial struggle, you might just kind of be glad. If there was something that went wrong with their career, you might just be, got a little told you so inside of you. Is there anybody in your life where if their family kind of broke apart, you'd have just a little, a little snicker of, yeah. Then those seeds of hate inside of you are, you need surgery to start to work on, oh God, get this out of me. When I was in the seventh grade, uh, uh, I had a, a young man who um, I started to hate. So I went to a public school and uh, he, 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 it began, I was the smallest kid in our grade and he began with just by saying names, um, calling me names, mocking me in the hallway. And then um, I, I experienced moments like in PE where he would uh, on the wrestling mat come and knock me over. And so he did the thing with like the scissor thing where he knocked you down and he was a football player. I was the smallest kid. And so he would, you know, smash me down. Everybody would laugh and it kind of became a, a common thing. And then I had the moment, you know, where uh, I was, uh, I was just thrown up against lockers. I had my, my clothes uh, taken, so I, I, so I was embarrassed. So I, I experienced uh, kind of an embarrassment, um, verbal, some physical, and, and I started to have those things that he did to me. I started to hate him in my heart. And as you know, uh, I often talk about how my dad was so systematically discipling his, his children. So he went out on a date with my mom every Monday, and then every Tuesday, I'm the oldest. Uh, every Tuesday, I had a time with my dad. Every Wednesday, Dana. Every Thursday, Deborah. And every Friday, Dan. And so Tuesday was my favorite day. And my dad would disciple me, but he would also provide for my needs. So it was my favorite time, not just because I had time with him to talk, but also because he did things like buy me vanilla Cokes at Sonic. He did things like when I needed shoes, he took me uh, to the Quill Springs Mall in Northwest Oklahoma City, and we would go get bass shoes. And I got cool shoes as a seventh grader, and I enjoyed that time with him. And we were on our Tuesday time, and out of my mouth started to come my anger and hurt and hate towards a young man. Um, I won't say his name. 
um, but he was the one that I hated. Uh, but I won't, I won't use his name, I'll just use the name Ryan. Um, Cause that's one of Renata's ex-boyfriends. So that's an, okay. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so it works. Um, and so I'm glad you're laughing. I, I could be in trouble for that one. So glad you're laughing. All right. But anyway, um, so this guy, Ryan, uh, I began to tell my dad about how much I hated him. And I was thinking about how um, my dad could have responded and probably how you and I would often respond and often how the culture responds. Because I think that a 1989 living in suburbia, Oklahoma City dad could have looked at his 12-year-old son and said, all right, when he does that to you next time, here's what we're gonna do. And maybe put me in karate, you know, and teach me how to fight, right? Here's, here's how you attack back. That, that, that would have been common. That would have been a cultural way. Um, maybe, maybe it could have been to fight by going to the school system. It could have been lots of different ways to fight. I thought maybe culturally uh, teach me to run. Just run from it. Just ignore him. Just don't mess with it. Just get away. Or, or maybe um, do nothing. You know, like uh, this is the way that the world is. People will always be like this. And so maybe you should just do nothing. That, that could be, a, just accept it. Um, another way is to slander. So somebody hurts me, I will verbally shred them in other ways and take them out. And that's, I think, common in the culture. And yet, here's what my dad did for me. He said, David, um, is it okay if we have this conversation about um, Ryan and talk about how you think Jesus would respond? And uh, I just remember at 12 years old, you know, I always felt like my dad was like defending Jesus. Like, why is he always, like, what does Jesus think, you know? But really what was happening is that he was helping me learn to think like Jesus. And so he said, what, 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 how does Jesus see Ryan? And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just, like, it was hard. It's like, you know, when you go to the gym and you don't want to lift and you're like, this is painful. Okay, this is, it's painful to be like, well, I guess he, he loves him, I guess. <laughs> Doubt it, but maybe. Because you say so, right? Okay, David, what, what, what else does he tell us to do? Pray for him. Does Jesus tell us to pray for enemies? Yeah, do you want to do that? No. Will you do that? I'll do it if you'll... We used to sit at Sonic. So what my dad would do is um, he would buy me more things if I would do Christian stuff. So... <laughs> Tell you what, I'll buy you tater tots and a vanilla Coke. Let's, let's pray for him. Okay, fine. All right, sweet. I want those tots, baby, right? Okay, so, all right, so I'm gonna picture Jesus actually loves Ryan. I hate him, but Jesus loves him. Okay, did Jesus die for him? Yes, he did, maybe. Um, doesn't, okay, do you pray for him? God, and I would say, Dad, can I just pray like an old psalm, like break the teeth of the wicked? Oh God, you know, like, no. I want you to pray this. Pray blessing on him. All right, God, I pray that you would bless him. Okay. Now, David, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna look for an opportunity to show love to him. Uh, 12. Uh, are you cereal? No way. So don't wanna do that, right? I don't know, science is... 
sounding. Um, what's, the, what's the name of the dance you did? Um, what, you know, yeah, tell me, come on, come on. Just tell me. Napoleon Dynamite. Yes, that's it. That's, that's, that's tots too. Tots? All right, anyway. Um, so then think, so, so, so he trained me. All right, so, so let's think of him differently. Now let's pray for him. And now you can love him. And here's what happens when you start to pray for someone. So you start to Jesus, I want to see like you see. Not like I see. I want to think like you think. Pray like you pray. Okay, now I have the capacity. So this works in all of your life. So in your neighborhood, when you start to say, okay, Jesus, help me see these, these people, these neighbors. Jesus, help me see these people that I work with at the hospital. Jesus, help me see these people that I work with at the university. Jesus, these people that I go to high school with. Jesus, these people that I am in business. Help me to see like you see. Now help me pray for them. And now let me love them. Okay, so the very people that were once the enemy. Ah, I don't like those people. Or that person hurt me. That, that colleague, they, they took what was rightly mine. I didn't get praised. They got praised. They lied and they got what I wanted. Or that boss didn't pay me like an eye. Or that neighbor just keeps pushing those leaves into my yard. Or that, you know, name it. But you're working on trying to take each enemy that it could have inside of your heart hurt and grows into hate and you want it to grow toward love. So I, uh, I began to do that. I began to go back to seventh grade and began to try to demonstrate kindness to this kid that had showed me cruelty. And on the, went through the summer and the first day of eighth grade, I showed up and we had six one-hour classes Putnam City Schools in that season of my life. And I showed up in eighth grade, Hefner Junior High, and it would be rare to be, have two classes with someone. And so like, I didn't have any classes with my sisters. Um, it would have, that, that, that would have been, uh, been a lot. And I went to the first day of eighth grade and he was in my science class and Ryan was also in my PE class. And so I came home outraged. Dad, I'm gonna believe this. Ryan is in two of my classes this year. And my dad, oh. <laughs> Introverted, soft-spoken, Hal. So, you think Jesus is doing something? And I said, Jesus hates me. <laughs> And Hal said, is it possible this is God at work? And I said, yes, this is judgment. <laughs> I was miserable. I went to school the next day and Ryan had gotten a schedule change. Now he was not just in my PE class, not just my science class, but he was in fifth hour Mrs. Faulkner's trauma class. And in October of that year, Mrs. Faulkner said, Today, we're going to do humorous duets. You will perform these humorous duets in December. I'm going to pair you up one-on-one -on -one with someone else. David and Ryan, you are partners. You will work together every single day. And then you will perform together Abbott and Costello in December. And I said, I am hated by God. I can't fathom this. And then it was early November ish, late October, we'd been a, you know, a couple weeks working on it, where one day he turned and he said to me, he goes, why have you been cool to me when I've been such a, to you? And I, like a good preacher's kid said, I don't know. 
I, I, I didn't have the courage. I, I, was, I don't know, just because I'm cool like that, I guess, you know. I had no words to say. But day after day, our friendship grew. And then in December of that year, um, he, he, he started following Jesus. And um, he became my best friend. Um, we started a prayer meeting together in ninth grade. And then uh, we, we, we saw God work powerfully in 10th grade, 11th grade. We're still buds. We DM each other. What's up? He lives in Houston. Um, and, and, and I tell you that to tell you that I saw maybe this Jesus stuff works. Maybe God can take hate where I loathed going to school because of that boy. And I hated my life. And I watched God do a little miracle. It was painful. It was not enjoyable. It was not fun. It was not just celebratory, kick up your leg, what's up, church? It was on a Monday, on a Tuesday. Jesus, help me see like you see. Let me pray. Download your heart into my heart. Let me care. And I wanna invite you to be really real. Who's the colleague? Who's the family member? Who's the child that they don't reciprocate love like they should? Who's the in-law? Who's the boss or the former boss? Who's the person who's, who's hurt you that you tolerate hate in your heart? I just think that Jesus wants to use a church that uses his love to love enemies. You can't conjure it up on your own. You won't be able to just do the right thing and oh, grit. It takes the Holy Spirit at work inside of you, supernatural love, so that you, like Jesus on a cross, is able to look at the very people who crucify him and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Enemy love is one of the most powerful strengths of the Christian church, and it is often not utilized because we justify anger, just like the culture. But if we'll be the people that love instead of hate, active love, you will watch God work in your life, your family, our church. Why? Not just because we have church on Sunday, but because God is at work in the people of God every day. And there are stories of, of people loving the very people. And I would tell you, that those moments where you are um, hurt or somebody hurts you, that's your moment to show the power of God. So some people think um, it's a passivity. It's like holding up a white flag. I'm just gonna love my enemies. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's oh, this guy, Ryan, this is what Hal did. This guy, Ryan, okay, he's unkind to you. This is your greatest moment. Yeah. Go be, so sometimes it takes creativity, right? Oh, when he hurts you, how can you respond? Bless you. What's up? What's up? You know, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Take it. Yeah, it's up. all right. Right. Like eighth grade. Oh, I invited him over to my house. You want to practice? What's up? Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. Let's, pra let's, let's practice longer. You want to watch TV? You want to hang out longer? Oh, we became friends. I, what's, <laughs> for those of you who haven't Costello, those of you who don't, he's like, what's he talking about right now? <laughs> so, so God used these, these moments and God give me creative ways to be like you. So that neighbor, that colleague, 
that family member. It's not just a passive, tolerant, okay, I'll be kind. Oh, it's more than that. God, give me a way to supernaturally love like Jesus loved. Open up the way. Let me, let me see them different and give me ideas. I would say a few thoughts. One, enemy love flows out of devotion to Jesus. You can't really love enemies unless that relationship with Jesus is thick. Your motive ends up to be Jesus. It, that, 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 that has to be the source. Um, because otherwise, you're gonna respond the way that the world responds. I'm gonna seek revenge unless I'm actually following the one who loved enemies. So it takes Jesus at work inside of you, a real relationship with him. Second, enemy love is banking on eternity with Jesus. It doesn't make sense to do the enemy love thing if there's not an eternity. Because if there's not an eternity, then it really is just tit for tat. I'll do what I want. I'll get revenge on the bet. All the toys are on the planet. It's, this is all that there is. So I'm going to just get what I can. I'm gonna get the money and the power that I can here and the fame. I'm gonna do what I can to make this life as good as it can be. But if your aim is higher, if your aim is I'm aiming at eternity, I'm gonna be with Jesus. So I've got devotion to Jesus and I wanna be forever with Jesus. You've got the capacity to love the enemy in front of you. It takes this strong conviction of eternity. And this last one is, Enemy love is our opportunity to show Jesus, show the world. So the next time that somebody is violent towards you, robs you, takes what you deserve, doesn't give you what you want, and you show enemy love, it's actually your opportunity to put Jesus on display for the world to see. It's actually your opportunity to show the love of Jesus. And that's why here, when Jesus says this, he talks, he, he says, showing yourself to be children of God, it's the family DNA. The de- when you show love to an enemy, it's showing yourself to be children of the Father. Oh, this is, what it, this is what it looks like. This is Jesus. Think about the moments that Jesus does this. He does this with Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Hey, you're gonna betray Israel and be in alliance with the Romans and overtax us and you become wealthy. You betrayed your people and Jesus looks at that man and says, I'm coming to your house. I see it with the way Jesus responded to even the Romans, right? Think about that moment in John 18 with Pilate, where he stands before him, Pilate threatening him. Don't you see I have the power to have you crucified? And Jesus looks back at him and says, you would have no power over me unless we're given you by my father above. He's saying, I've got a power inside of me that enables me to respond differently than the culture. You know that story of Malchus where, where the, the ear is cut off and Jesus heals the ear? Of the, isn't that a crazy story? That's a wild story because that's what most of us do. You're gonna come with me at swords and clubs, we will attack back. And here's Jesus. Whoa, 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 put your sword away. Whoa, 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 no, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. Healing in the midst of being attacked. I'm gonna heal you. Do you know that that story is in all four gospels? Like any kind of Bible scholar knows, it's very rare for one story to be in all four, the synoptics and gospel of John. Isn't it crazy that the ear story made it in all four? Like that doesn't make every like child's cartoon and Christmas pageant, you know, like 
You know, really, we, we, we hear so many other ones, but that one, but the ear, heal the ear, the ear story. Oh, remember when Jesus healed the ear? Oh, he fed the 5,000. No, the ear guy. Oh yeah, the ear story. Yeah, the ear story. Violence towards me, healing towards you. You come at me with sword, I come at you with healing. This is Jesus. Jesus shows us what it means to love the enemy. Jesus shows us what it looks like with his life. And every time that you choose, power of God. I'm gonna, I've got God at work inside of me. All my emotions say revenge, run, hate, anger, slander. Oh, let me find some kind of way why I just need to dump on you because I, slander. What does love do? Love, I'm gonna stop. And what I'd invite you to is name that person that you could go, I actually, if you would say, if you know, and God knows what's inside your heart, but we always hide it. We pretend, oh, I don't hate anybody. Read First John, this First John 3 text. This freaks me out this week. I was like, oh, if I have hate in my heart, it's like murder. Oh God. Okay. Let, do surgery on me, God. What would it look like? Is there anybody that you actually want their worst? You actually would find some delight in their pain. Then you're coming before God and saying, God, change me. I want to invite you right now, if you would, to even go back to that, that person that you know. Um, you, you've, got, you've got hate in your heart. Just picture that. Now, would you just take a second and just between you and the Lord, would you say, God, help me see? I'm gonna take you through house prayer with 12-year-old David. And I'm gonna pray for miracle stories in our house. Would you help me see like you see? Keys, you can come on out. Let me see them like you see them. Give me your eyes. Now would you say, God, change my heart. Soften my heart. And now we just pray this, God, open a door for me to go against my emotions, but live by my biblical convictions that I'll love like you love. Ask God for the very person that is who you know would be an enemy. Ask him for ideas and ask him for interactions. God, open, open opportunities. That's painful because you know that engaging with that person already brings pain. But where you want to get is where you're saying, okay, God, I welcome this. I actually want my, my, my walk with Jesus, my, my Christian life, to not be in back burner thing. I want to live on offense where enemy love is a part of my life. So you've prayed for that person and now you're saying, God, open a door. Give me ideas. Give me creative ideas. Be at work, God.
Father, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would be at work. Maybe years from now, we'd hear the stories of God at work transforming foes to friends. Maybe you're in the room today or online and you're far from God. Actually, Romans 5 says that we were enemies of God because of sin, we were enemies of God. And the one who loved first was God. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you are God's enemy, he went to a cross for you. And today, you can become a friend of God because of who he is and what he did on the cross. I wanna invite you just with every head bowed and all eyes closed today, if you wanna if you want to be a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Jesus, save me. Thank you for going to the cross for me. I give you my life. Make me a new person. Save me. And I may spend eternity with you. I give you everything. Be my Lord and Savior, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer, you don't have to do anything that I'm asking, but if you want to, we wanna help you go on the journey. We wanna help you get, be resourced. We have Bibles for you up here at the front. We wanna help you connect in small groups. One of the ways that you can grow is by coming up here and saying, hey, to the, at the, the prayer team at the end and say, hey, I, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Will you, will you pray with me? We would love to help you on your journey as a follower of Jesus. A way you could do that is in that connection card, on that connection card, tell us that you made a decision to follow Jesus. Then you could drop that card in these buckets that are about to go by. Or you could just take your phone and scan and just say, I have decided to follow Jesus. We'll email you. We want to help you on your journey as a follower of Jesus. The way we say it around here is we want to help people that have been rescued to be transformed. That's it. So when Jesus rescues you, that's the salvation moment. And now we want to help you go through this transforming where God does a work inside of you, transforms you, makes you uh, more like him, where you start to love your enemies. You start to want to pray. And we want to go on that journey with you. Let's all stand together as we prepare to give. <clears throat> hey, today, I'd like us as part of our offertory prayer, I want us to pray for our city. I believe we're in a season where we gotta walk with big faith for our city. I believe that in the next 20 years, God wants to do, uh, I, he wants to use his church in a supernatural way because the people of God are not functioning with a church attending box checking way, but we're living as real disciples. And I believe God's called us as a church to live like that. And I wanna invite us to take a moment. And because I know you already believe that, I love it when we as a church stand in the gap as intercessors for our city. It's actually one of my favorite moments at our prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. And I just wanna do it together, all of us together. Not all of you can make it on a Wednesday. So would you just stretch out your hands, north, south, east, west. I wanna pray over our city. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we lift up our city today. And we lift up those that are hurting. We lift up all across Kansas City, your bride, the capital C Church of Jesus Christ. 
And Father, we as Radiant Church, we ask, oh God, would you break into our churches? God, would the presence of God mark the churches across the city? God, we lift up the Baptists and the Presbyterians. God, we lift up the Nazarenes. God, we lift up the non-denoms. God, we lift up the Church of Jesus Christ all across Kansas City, all denominations that proclaim Jesus as Lord. And we ask, oh God, would you bring hope to the hurting? God, would you take what feels like ashes and make something beautiful? God, may it be that in our generation, this city experiences the power of God. God, would we see supernatural miracles in this city? God, would our young people follow you from the days of their youth? Oh God, we need you. Do it here in the South. Do it up in the Northland. Do it on the Missouri side. Do it over on the West side, oh God. Do it downtown. Jesus, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in Kansas City. God, we're in great need. God, our own ideas and our own strength and our own philosophies will fade. Our dollars are so weak. Our ideas are so weak, but our God is so big. And so we say, oh God, do a miracle in Kansas City. Raise up a praying church. Raise up a passionate church. Raise up a church, capital C church, all across Kansas City that lives holy, the Lord's. Let holiness unto the Lord be our song. God, we honor you, we give today in Jesus' name.